is a sermon on angels and demons. Okay, if there's ever been a time in our life as believers that we need to be aware and mindful of the spirit realm and the spirit world, it is today. Uh, the devil and his minions have launched an all-out attack on our families. They attack our health. They attack our friendships. They attack our church. They attack our finances. They attack our joy. They attack our marriages. They attack our peace. Demons and Satan are very, very real. And they are after you. They are after your children. They are after your grandchildren. They are after your workplace. They are after your, your physical body. They want to attack and destroy. It's very, very clear in the Bible what demons want to do. They want to steal, kill, and destroy everything that God wants to do inside of your life. He, they want to steal your destiny right from underneath you. Now, we're going to talk about some spiritual stuff today, but I don't want you leaving here being weird or like a cuckoo spiritual person. I know people that are so spiritually minded, they are no earthly good at all. Everything is the Holy Spirit this, the Holy Spirit that, and I'm all, and I'm a strong believer, but don't leave here being weird. Jesus was not weird, and he was the most spiritual person that ever lived on this planet. I know people that act like, you know, the Holy Spirit told me what color socks to wear. And the Holy Spirit told me how to fix my hair. And the Holy Spirit told me to tell you, blah, 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 blah. Well, the Holy Spirit didn't tell them to brush their teeth because their breath stinks. And so we don't need to be getting all weird. Don't need to be doing anything like that. But I am here to tell you that Satan is alive and he's real. And I'm not here to give him more power or more, um, more, um, not here to make him sound better than he is or more powerful than he is. He's already been defeated and he only has power in our lives when we give it to him. But it still does not stop him from attacking us. If you don't believe that demons are real, just turn on the news. They are after our, our kids in our schools with bullying, with um, shootings in churches. Shootings in churches. Um, demons attack. Uh, you can turn on the news and see the rapes and see the kidnappings. And this that's demonic attacks. But just as Satan is real and just as demons are real, I want you to know also that angels are very, very real and they are very, very, very powerful. And it would be easy for us to be more focused on the demons. It would be easy for us to be uh, living in fear, worried about our children when they go to public school, worried about our older kids when they go to college, and just living in fear all the time. If, if, you, go to, um, if you go to the mall at night, worried that someone's going to attack or someone's going to kidnap. We should not live in fear, but those um, thoughts, I'm sure, come to us at times. In 2 Kings chapter 6, there was a time where Elisha the prophet uh, was surrounded by an enemy. And his servant wakes him up in 2 Kings 6, 15, and he says, alas, and the word alas is a King James word for holy crap. So he was like, holy crap, the Syrian troops have surrounded us. In other words, there was an enemy around them. They were saying, my boss is treating me so bad I can hardly stand to go to work. They were saying, when I go to school, I feel like I'm being bullied and people are treating me wrong for no reason. They were saying, I have a fear that my health is always declining. I have a fear that I'm going to be attacked if I go to the 501 Walmart. That might be a natural fear. But anyway, so they had this fear. And it was like an oppression. Listen, there are times where we make stupid choices. And that's the result of what we're going through. But there are also times where demons and Satan attack us. And if you want to know the difference, if there's an oppression in a certain area of your life. An oppression is, for instance, you've tried medication. You've gone to the doctor, counseling. You've used natural wisdom. And there's still an area of your life that seems like there's a black cloud around it, there's a good chance those are demons. Black cloud of oppression where you just can't seem to get out of 
this particular area in life. You just can't seem to gain victory or any steps forward. And so Elisha's servant was very scared. He saw the enemy around him. But here's the good, good news in the next scripture, verse 16. Elisha said, don't be afraid. Those that are with us are more than those that are with them, that are those with the enemies against us. And here's what that means. I talked to you in the uh, Sermon on Hell in this series how when Lucifer got kicked out of heaven, when Satan was thrown down to hell, he deceived one-third of the angels into following with him down into hell. Which means if there are a million demons after you, there are two million angels fighting for you. One-third left heaven, which leaves still two-thirds on our side. And so he told a certain man, those that are with us are so much bigger, stronger, powerful. And the guy thought, I don't see them. All I see is the enemy. All I see is the news. All I see is the attacks. All I see is the gossip. All I see is the complaining. All I see is the negative things. And so the next verse in verse 17, Elisha prays to the Lord, open up his eyes. He wasn't talking about his natural eyes because he saw the enemy. He was talking about his spiritual eyes. And the Lord opened up the young man's eyes and he saw the mountain full of horses and chariots of fire. Anybody know the chariots of fire? Okay, anyway, I'll play it later. Okay, so, chariots of fire. So, listen, here's what he was saying. If God somehow opened up your eyes, your spiritual eyes, just for three seconds, your whole outlook on life would change. You would see demons attacking and you'd start to feel afraid and then all of a sudden you would see these huge warring angels on your side here to bring answers to prayer, here to bring miracles in your life, here to assist us. All these things that God has called His angels to do fight against demons with swords and shields. They are huge, huge beings and they're on your side. There's a true story I read about this uh, family that lived in Alaska. They were heavily involved in cults and witchcraft. And the father of this family was actually the leader of the cult, of this particular one in this area of Alaska. And he told how one night he left his house to go cast a spell and to go um, send some demons and witchcraft spirits into another man's home. I read this story because... 20, 30 years later, one of this guy's kids got saved and wrote a book about it. Anyway, so the father of this, that was head of this cult, he goes to this other house and he tries to cast spells. And he said normally the spells and the witchcraft would go right through the physical home into the people's lives. But for some reason this time, his spells could not penetrate the home. And he was so um, dumbfounded by that, he decided to run around back and he took a peek through the house to see what was going on. And he saw the guy whom he wanted to cast a spell on and he said how this guy just seemed very dark. He was described as kind of blackness. But all around him were people in the home that were lit up like the most brilliant lights you had ever seen. It turns out those people were believers from a nearby church that were there having a small group, a Bible study. And as long as they were in the house, this guy's spells could not go through the home. He came back to his family and has told, he told his family something this, that caused his child to then begin to research and grow up and become a Christian. But he said something to his family. He said, if believers knew the power that they had in the spirit realm, they would never be afraid again. And I want to just tell you a few quick things that can open up the doors to demons being in your life. There's several things the Bible talks about. I want to give you a few. One is don't shout me down and don't write me any emails. But one is horoscopes. 
Horoscopes, um, um, uh, fortune telling, Ouija boards, things of that nature, they do have demonic power attached. Actually, there's several places in the Bible where a physical object can have demon power with it and attached to it. It could be a knife, it could be a plate, it could be something that came from someone's house who was in a cult or who served some type of a world religion that wasn't from the one true God. Things like that actually attach. Now, I read a fortune cookie, but I don't base my life on it. And I don't look forward to it. I don't think if it's a bad one, that I'm going to have a bad day. And if it's a good one, I'm going to have a great day. I really just like the way the fortune cookie tastes. But still, when I'm with people, I open it up and we do it, but, but we don't base life on it. You don't need to go to Sister Lulu down the street or um, what's it, Sister Rita or whatever it is to have your fortune read. If you want somebody to tell you your fortune, come to me. I'll charge you half price. If they charge you 100, I'll charge you. And I will read you what your future holds. Your future says that you will live and not die to declare the good works of the Lord. Your future says that with long life, God wants to satisfy you. Your future says that he that began a good work in you will finish it to the day of complete. That is your future. You don't need to look at a horoscope. You don't need to find your zodiac sign or anything like that. You can open up this anytime you want to. Another thing that can bring demon attacks in our life or demon power is um, Buddha dolls or Buddha faces. Or these, it's popular, especially around here, where someone gets some type of a false god picture or uh, an idol picture or a Buddha head or, or things like that. Those things carry negative, if that's a more um, safe word for you, it carries negative vibes with it, if that helps some of y'all. Deuteronomy 18.10 says, Don't use witchcraft, fortune telling, spells, sorcery, mediums, large or small, and a consulter of the dead. These things are an abomination to the Lord. Listen, society has changed the truth about how demons and Satan are and about how angels are. Society wants us to think that Satan wears this red pair of tights and he has a goatee and he carries a pitchfork and he tries to deceive us into stealing cookies out of the cookie jar. That is not what Satan looks like. Satan has an entire army that is out to get you. He has a very well organized organization. He has a demonic army, and through the Bible, there are different ranks. Just like in the American army and in our, in our, in our uh, world now, there's different ranks of demons. And let me just list a few of them for you. You don't have to write it down. You can go back and listen to this on Facebook. But there's thrones, lordships, rulers, authorities, principalities of powers, evil and unclean spirits. The Bible says that Satan's army is like an army of locusts. That will devour everything in your life, everything in sight. One time Jesus was casting out a demon. Now let me tell you something. Casting out demons is not supposed to be a weird thing. It's not supposed, I know back in the 70s and 80s, crazy-matic churches and Baptist-costal churches were doing crazy stuff. People's falling out left and right. Jesus was not weird like that at all. Casting out a demon, I believe that when Jesus casted out a demon, I like to see this man of love and of peace just kind of shaking somebody's hand and greeting them. And when he noticed there was a demon in their life, I believe he just very calmly, boldly said, In my name, come out. And he would call that demon even by the demon's name. One time he was casting out a demon, and in Mark 5, 9, the demon spoke back to him and said, My name is, my name is Legion, for we are many. I couldn't keep it up. And he begged Jesus not to send them out of the region. The demons begged Jesus, don't send us out of this region. Don't send us away from here. Why would demons beg Jesus, don't send us out of this area? Here's why. Because Satan sends certain demons to certain areas for that culture, for that society, for that county, for that city. Satan knows exactly what demons to send where. 
Let me teach you something. There are actually demonic spirits over certain, over every area actually around the entire globe. Um, but different certain, there's, there's more demons in one area than another based on the kind of demon. For example, I personally believe the demonic attack that is over Horry County would be a lustful one. And when I say lust, I'm not just talking about sexual lust. I'm talking about any kind of lust uh, for, for money, for food, anything that involves lust. Some pastor friends of mine in Atlanta, Georgia, they believe the demonic spirit over that area is a workaholic spirit. The demons deceive people into leaving their families and work, work six, seven days a week just to be able to afford the nicest this, the nicest that. And they neglect the things that mean the most to them because they have to work, 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 work. I'm sure that you could think of countries around the world and kind of identify the demonic attacks over those countries. I don't want to name any countries because I don't know where all y'all are from. I don't want to offend anybody. But some countries, everything is fighting, fighting, fighting. They, that's, how they, they, that's how they get through any argument, any debate, anything. It has to be physical, fist, and fighting. Some countries that I've been to, the demonic attack over it is laziness. Everyone in the whole country is just lethargic. They'd rather beg than work. Lazy, lazy, lazy. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, Don't be ignorant of the schemes and intellect of Satan. Listen, they, these demons, they don't break rank. They know exactly what their mission is in your life. And the Bible says right here, it doesn't say that Satan's powerful. It says he's intellectual. Satan's been around longer than you. He has studied you. He actually studied the generations before you to know what kind of demons to send your way. The Bible talks about how children have angels around them that we're supposed to treat children well because their angels, their guardian angels, report back to God, the Bible says. But it also says that even children are not immune to demonic attacks. I was very clear on that. Satan has studied the grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents to see what kind of demons to send your way from the day you were born. If you had alcoholism in your blood, he made sure to send those demons your way. If there was drug addictions, pornography addictions, negativity, fear, whatever it is, he sends them your way. We cannot be ignorant of the fact that Satan has studied you and he wants to destroy you. He's very, very intellectual. If your battle is greed, Satan will make sure to send demons your way every time you get paid. And he will show you things that you need to steal from God. Steal the tithe from God and spend on something that you don't have to have. You just want it. And the demons were there. If you battle drug addiction, I can promise you, I can promise you, you can be in a room with a thousand people and there can be just one other person in that room that battles drugs and the demons will make sure that you connect with that person. I've seen that in my life since I was in I can easily talk about drugs because I never battled drugs in high school or anything. I never once exhaled. Not one time. And so I know exactly what it's like. And so if you have, you've seen it. you got a room of a thousand people and you got one guy that battles drugs. And another guy over here, there's only two people who have been before an hour is up. Somehow, they connect. That's not just happenstance, that's demons. Only an intellectual schemer could make sure that a woman was bathing on the rooftop of her house at the exact same time that King David stood from his rooftop to see all that God had done for him. Only a schemer can put those things together. Um, demons attack the weary. They attack us whenever we have not been um, faithful in keeping up with our physical health. Whenever we have not gotten enough sleep. Listen, demons know exactly, exactly how and when to attack you. You would think that when you go through a terrible tragedy in life and the whole world's coming against you, we subconsciously think that the devil's going to back up a little bit. That's when he attacks us the most. Man, if your battle today is sweets, 
The second you drive by Krispy Kreme, the hot sign hasn't been on all day long. But when you drive by, you just remember hot like hell, hot like hell, red, hell, hell hot, God. Now, now, when I drive by Krispy Kreme and it does that, that's actually Jesus blessing me because I'm, I'm a good pastor. And so the hot sign turns on, I just say, thank you, Jesus. And I turn there. And Jesus has taught me that um, if you heat up a glazed donut five extra seconds, you can actually drink it. And so it's, it's very enjoyable to me. But if you are weary today, if you are weary emotionally, if you are weary spiritually, if you are weary mentally, that's when Satan's going to attack you. That's why we get into Bible studies here. That's why we serve God. That's why we do things that have our faith ready and built up. Because whenever we do get weary, we all get weary. He's going to send his demons. Another time he sends his demons big time is on the, sh the sheep that are on the fringe of the sheepfold. Let me tell you what this means. All through the Bible we see that demons, and a lot of times Paul uses the analogy of, of wolves with demons. A sheep is a believer. But when they're on the fringe of the sheepfold, that means they are not planted in a local church. They're Christians, but they don't serve God. Serving God means serving the fallible people that are the bride and the body of Christ. Anybody can say, I serve Jesus, and sit at home and watch church on TV and never come around people that are fallible, that are offensive, that aren't perfect. Serving God is serving the body. And when a sheep is on the fringe of the sheepfold, it's like a rug with a fringe, that's when the wolf attacks. If you are here today and you're not planted in the house of the Lord, you're not in the center serving, growing as a leader, growing as in discipleship, in the Bible study, if that's not you, you need to say, excuse me, coming through, you need to get all through those sheep and get right there in the very center of that local church. Don't be on the end for, for the wolf to be able to attack you. get as close to the shepherd as you possibly can. And we are the bride and the body of Christ. The shepherd's right in the center here. In Psalms 23, it talks about how the Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. It says his rod comforts us. Why would a rod comfort us? Because he uses it to beat the wolves that are after his sheep. Man, this is a way better sermon than we all probably think it is. It's a really good sermon. I like it. Anyway, <laughs> so... I read about this bullfight that went on down in Mexico one time. This is, a, this is where we get into application of today. This bullfight was going on, and this huge, massive, powerful, fearless animal was out there in the middle of the ring with nothing but a 150-pound man. And every time this bull would puff and puff and do its leg, he would duck its head, he would go after that man, and that man would hold out a red cape as a distraction, and the bull would go right through the red cape. Every time the bull went through the red cape, sword and he would poke the back of the bull right in front of the crowd. Man, that bull got madder and madder, angrier and angrier. He would go and go and he would attack and attack and the red cape would come out and he'd go right through the red cape and the man would poke him right in the butt. The thing I want you to see is this. The bull was attacking the wrong source. I want you to think this. We're about to just apply the whole message right here, okay? There was another man in the crowd watching all of this take place, and he said something very profound. He said, if that bull ever finds out who's really sticking him, then that little man is going to be in a whole lot of trouble. 1,500 pounds strong animal can't defeat a 150 pound little man? It's because he was attacking the distraction. If, if we as believers ever can finally get to the point and realize that Satan is the one ultimately behind the calamity we face in life, then he's going to be in a whole lot of trouble as well. Our problem is we attack the wrong source. We attack our spouse. 
We attack our children. We attack our boss. We attack our co-workers, but they're not the source. Ephesians 6, 12, if there's any scripture you look up in your Bible today, any scripture you read, any scripture you study from today's sermon, Ephesians 6, 12, we don't fight against each other. We fight against rulers of darkness and spiritual powers of evil in the supernatural sphere. The Bible just told us that Satan is the root cause of our problems. So next time you and your spouse are about to get in a fight, don't fight against each other. Come together and fight the source that wants to destroy the relationship. Next time your kid's doing wrong in school, they keep getting in trouble and their grades are going down, don't fight against that human source. Come together with your kid and fight against the one that's ultimately sticking you with the knife. We are the hundred, we are the fifteen hundred pound bull. Satan's the little man that keeps sticking us. Don't go after the red cape. It's just a distraction. Your boss is not your problem. Your spouse is not your problem. The aggravating church member sitting next to you. That might be the problem. But these other things are not your problem. You see what I'm saying? Do you see? Do you see? If you think back how much energy you've wasted attacking the wrong source. Man, if marriages, if friendships, if church family members could get this one point, do you know how much more peace and power we would have together? In the Old Testament, they used to call God different names. <clears throat> they would call Him based on what He did for them. They didn't just say God. They had a name where if God delivered them, uh, they call Him my deliverer in, in their language. If God provided, they call Him my provider. If God healed, they call Him my healer. See, the bad news that I had today is that demons are real and Satan is real. But the good news is this. There's a name for God I want you to learn today. and It's called Jehovah Sabaoth, God of the military. Lord of the angel armies. If you think that Satan's army is impressive, you should see the one that's on your side today. Our army is much, much, much more powerful. Our army is much, much, much more organized. They know exactly what they're supposed to do. The problem is, is in pictures, you see angels as these fat little chubby babies that haven't eaten too many cookies out of the cookie jar and they play their four-string harps and they ride on a cloud. Listen, my angel don't look like that and I hope y'all's angel don't look like that. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that angels are incredibly strong, incredibly powerful, incredibly quick. They carry a sword. They carry a shield. And every time an angel appeared to a human in the Bible, and they still do today, but every time they appeared to a human, listen, think. The first thing the angel said was, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why would someone on our side have to tell us, don't be afraid? Because they are an intimidating sight. They are majestic looking. They are humongous. They have swords and shields and they're ready to do our bidding whenever we use the name of Jesus and the word of God. They're ready to fly and carry out those commands. Psalms 46, 7 says, The Lord of hosts, the God of the angel armies, protects us. I'm sure you all know my friend Brian Clark here on the front row. He sings in the choir. His, um, his wife is Angela's son is Chase. Brian is an incredibly intimidating sight. If he was not sweet-spirited, you would be very, very scared of him. But he has a very, very sweet, calm spirit. I can always be myself around Brian because he and I are good friends. We're very transparent. I don't have to put on any kind of pastor hat, act, or anything like that. We're, we're very, very close. But I'm calm around him because Brian always has my back. He's very loyal to his family and his friends. And in Brian's B.C. years, he was a fighter. B.C. Brian Clark. <laughs> he was a fighter, okay? <laughs> Brian didn't lose any fights. Now, I got in fights when I was younger. I lost 90% of mine, but he's won 100%. Of 
Brian, he'd take on three, four guys at a time, doesn't matter. One time Brian was telling me a story about a fight he got into, and just talking, he did like this. He's like, you know, I punched that. Now when I do this, nothing really happens. <laughs> but when Brian does this, I could have sworn I saw the word pal appear in blue and red letters. <laughs> like old Batman movies, you know. <laughs> Brian, Brian, listen. <laughs> Brian, he's got my back. Do you know how calm, I, I want you to imagine, how calm you would be if you have Brian Clark as your friend and Chase Clark on the other side of the sun. And everywhere you went, you had these two powerful guys just walking next to you. You went to work and they're there. You're driving around town and they're there. You're walking through the mall, they're there. You're eating dinner and they're there. And if anybody even looked at you the wrong way, if anybody sneezed on you, if they even remotely started to say something about you, Brian and Chase high-five each other and say, it's clobbering time. And they just go after it. And they just pound and pound and pound. And re Man, Brian, he can take somebody's head and spin it around a few times and then put it back on. He can fight. Okay, you know how the president has secret service and they watch out for that president and they see where everything's going? God has assigned secret service agents to be by your side that are more powerful than the Clark boys. These angels, they don't take breaks. They don't have to get lunch. They don't use the bathroom. They don't go to sleep. They are always, always, always watching out for you and your family. One angel in Isaiah 37, one angel slew 185,000 enemy troops. In Daniel 6, one angel closed the mouth of lions. The Bible says Satan's like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. One angel closed his mouth. In Daniel 10, an angel brought the answer to prayer. In Acts 12, God sent an angel to break Peter out of prison. Hebrews 1.14 says angels are servants of God sent to assist you and me. My nana, my, my mom's mom, she loves reading about angels. She's a strong believer, a great prayer warrior. A few years ago, she lost a ring that she really, really loved. And uh, she looked for that ring for maybe two weeks or so. And, um, and one day she was just praying. I remember, man, I can remember growing up in my nana's house. She'd always, every time I saw her and she was asleep, she was asleep with her Bible on her. She would always fall asleep reading her Bible. And um, she prayed one day. She said, Lord, please send one of your angels to help me find my ring. Just a few hours later, she went to go make herself something to eat. She was opening up the refrigerator door and she pulled out where the meat was. And there was her ring sitting right there. Now listen, I totally can say that could have been coincidence. Just happenstance. She spent a week looking for a ring. She got hungry and just happened to be in the refrigerator. But I also can believe that that was God's angels sent to just assist her with something very menial. Because God cares about His children. It says in Hebrews 13 too, always be friendly and hospitable to people. Some have entertained angels as guests and not even known it. In other words, angels can show up in the form of humans. This is also referring to one time when Abraham entertained some guys and Abraham didn't know it, but they were, they were angels the whole time and didn't even know. And before y'all send me any emails or texts, I'm not an angel. I promise you with all of my heart, if you've known me for more than a month, you know I am not an angel. I'm not a demon either, but I'm not an angel. Anyway, so let me tell you a story. So this is a true story. Now this story, this is not one of those pastor stories where you exaggerate to make it fit the message and sound really good. This is an honest to God as I live and breathe true story. Me and the family, years ago we were um, going on vacation to Disney World. And um, this is before the kids grew up and before they had their own cars or before they left the house. And so we didn't have a vehicle to fit the whole family in. There were seven of us. 
So somebody let us use their 1983 hoopty van, you know, it was the big old huge van with the beds in the back and everything like that. This van, it didn't have any windshield wipers and it had a window that was busted as well. But um, someone gave us money for the vacation and I had budgeted just right. We were halfway home now from Disney World and I knew we had $100 left, 120 something like that, just enough for gas and food for the next six hours on the way home. And uh, I'm driving this big hoopty van. It only could go like 50 miles an hour because of the, how big it was and the, the wind coming through the broken window and all. And I look behind me, and I don't know if you've ever seen this. I'm sure you have, but where the sky is perfectly clear, but then there's a line in the sky of total blackness, and you can see a storm coming. Like, you just see the rain. Y'all seen that before, right? So I look through the back of the, the van, and I'm just like, thank God that we're going the opposite direction. You know, the, the storm's coming after us, but we're, we're driving, so we're going to outrun it. So I had no windshield wipers, no window. And Asher, my youngest son, he was in his cast and braced still from his MUSC surgery. So we were very, very stressed out, but we're going. All of a sudden, that, that old, old beat-up van, the, the tires were so dry rot that one of the tires busted on the interstate. This is before we had cell phones. And if we did, we didn't know who to call anyway. And so it, it boom, 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 on the side of the road. And I know I look like an incredibly manly, masculine guy that's good with tools and changing tires, but I'm not. And so I got out of the car, and we had a spare tire, but we had no tools at all. No tools. None of the tools. Hold on. I know the jack. What's the other one that looks like the pro bar? For a 1983 hoopty van, we had a big old tire. So we're on the side of the road, and I look back at my family, and I think, oh dear God, like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? We, we prayed, we prayed and prayed. We were there for maybe six, seven minutes, and all of a sudden, God is my witness. These two guys came behind us in a pickup truck. They pulled up right behind the van. They didn't say a single word to me. I honestly thought they were going to mug me because they weren't talking to me. And they got tools out of their truck without even looking or assessing what was going on. And they began to jack up the van with the whole family inside the van. They're just going up like this. The kids are thinking it's another Disneyland ride, I guess. I don't know what they think. <laughs> and one of the guys steps in a huge ant bed and doesn't even care. I mean, ants, I can see, and I'm a, I, I'm, I'm a fear of ants, rats, and paper cuts. And those ants were crawling up. I think I just told too much information. But anyway, and so the ants are and you don't even care. And these two guys are jacking up the truck, and they just happen to have the tools, and they change the tire. And as I start talking to them, they don't speak English. I believe they were speaking Spanish. They are talking to each other a little bit, didn't say a word to me. And so when they all got done, I'm just amazed. I'm standing there and all, and I pull out the rest of the money that we had for the rest of the trip. It was like $100. And I go to hand it to them, and they refused the money. They got back in the truck without even saying goodbye, and they left. Now, that could have been two guys that God sent to help us, because either way, God gets the credit. But it could have also been two angels that God sent to assist us and help us during that time of need. Psalms 103.20 is the application that we're going to finish with. It says, His strong and mighty angels are ready and able to fly at His bidding. Listen, word of heart, ready? Quick to respond to the voice of His Word. The reason we quote God's Word, the reason we want to know this Word is because this is what causes the angels to move on our behalf. When we say, Lord, thank you that your angels are take charge over my child's life while they're in school today, the angels are alert. 
They looked at each other. They high-fived each other. They said, did you hear that? They used the Word of God. They commanded us in Jesus' name and they go after them and they protect our kids. And they move our kids out of the way of the wrong influence. They protect our teenagers when they're out on the road because we use God's Word. Thank you, Lord, that your favor surrounds my family like a shield. Thank you that no weapon formed against me will prosper. And they take off and they pull out their swords and they pull out their shields and they fight in the spirit realm for you and for me. But whenever we start gossiping and murmuring and I'm afraid and how bad my life is and this isn't fair, when we say that, the angels sit back on the couch and they put their legs up and they eat angel food cake and they watch Touched by an Angel on TV. Or if you're old like me, they watch Highway to Heaven. Right? Highway to Heaven? Okay, okay. Old people, yes. Okay, so, so make sure you speak God's Word. Mark 16, 17, Jesus said, In my name, believers will force out Demons, call that demon by name. Whether it's a demon of cancer, demon of sickness, demon of poverty, call it by name and use the name of Jesus and say, I command you in Jesus' name to leave here. Our spiritual weapon is the name of Jesus and the Word of God. Make sure you use Jesus' name and make sure you use His Word because there were some believers one time in Acts that tried to cast out a demon and they were not filled with the Holy Spirit and they did not use the name of Jesus. In Acts 19.15, the demon looked back at them and spoke. And the demon said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Now, if a demon ever looked at me and said, who are you? I'd say, my name is Patrick Miller, and I live over in... <laughs> I'm just kidding, that's my brother. <laughs> Listen, um, if a demon ever has to ask you, who are you? You're not saved. If a demon has to ask you, who are you? You're not saved. Demons see the name of Jesus in our life. The demons see the blood of Jesus. They see the Holy Spirit. And that causes them to tremble, the Bible says. Causes them to tremble. Uh, last story, and I'll let you go. But there's, it's a true story of this woman named Myra. Myra was one of the leaders in Teen Challenge several years ago. And uh, this is maybe two or three decades ago when Teen Challenge was very popular. Teen Challenge is a Christian organization that helps teenagers get off the streets and get off of drugs. And, <clears throat> Myra was in charge of this particular one. It was in a big inner city. Big inner city, a lot of gang problems. And one night she was there by herself. She actually was the lady that lived there and kind of ran the place. And these gang members came to the door of Teen Challenge. They began to beat on the door. They were screaming obscenities. And they told her that when they get a hold of her, they were going to drown her in a nearby river. As they're beating on the door, Myra was about to call the police, but she felt like the Holy Spirit told her. It's very important if you're in this position that you make sure it was God. But she really felt like God told her to talk to those, those gang members. So she screamed back, stop, 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 I'll talk to you, I'll talk to you, I'll open the door again. She opened up the door and all of a sudden the gang members looked at her and very peacefully acting, they turned around and they just walked away. They just walked away. She thought that was someone who she was trying to talk to them, they wouldn't even listen to her. The next night, the same thing happened. They're beating on the door. This time they screamed that they had guns and knives and that they were going to abuse her. She said, Lord, I have to have your protection. I just pray that your angels will take charge over my life. <clears throat> she opened up the door again. The gang members turned around and they walked away very, very peacefully. It happened a third night. Three nights in a row. Same exact thing. After that third night, they didn't hear from those gang members for several weeks. Actually, a few months went by. And one day, some of the gang members decided to come into Teen Challenge during the day because they needed help. They wanted to get off drugs, get off the streets. Myra ended up befriending these same gang members that had threatened her months before. One day, they were eating lunch together at the table at Teen Challenge. And she said to them kind of humorously, said, what was it several months ago about those three nights when you came and you were threatened to attack me? And I'm so glad God's turned your life around, but 
What was it that caused you to walk away so peacefully? One of the gang members spoke up and said, we wouldn't dare touch you with your boyfriend there the whole time. That dude had to be seven feet tall. Myra looked at him and said, I don't have a boyfriend. I didn't have a boyfriend back then. Another gang member spoke up and said, yeah, you did. He was wearing a classy white suit and he was larger than life. Let me tell you, demons are after you, but God's angels are so much more powerful in your life. Last scripture, Psalms 91 2. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge. He's my fortress. In Him will I trust. This is very important. Very important. Verse 3. Then. Everybody say then. Amen. Then He will deliver you from traps, diseases, cover you and protect you with His wings. Watch. Verse 2 was, I will say of the Lord. Verse 3 was, then He will do. I will say, He will do. Not I will talk about my problems. I will say of the Lord. Here's who He is in my life. Then, 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 God will do. I say it, He does it. How is He going to protect us? How is He going to cover us with His wings? Verse 11 tells us, God will order His angels to take guard over you and protect you 